And greetings. Happy Friday. Thank you for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and Blaze TV contributor Jill Savage is here with us to join us for the Dace Group. We'll get to that here momentarily after the Dace Group later today. It'll be Feedback Friday, your turn. Uh, as we respond to your responses to us, we are getting an incredible response to the nefarious movie that is streaming right now. Uh, I posted this yesterday, um, and I want to find it again here on my Twitter feed in case you missed this. Um, the top five movies right now on Google and YouTube that you can purchase. Those are the two largest search engines in the world. And here are their production budgets. Number one, Fast X, $340 million production budget. Number two, Super Mario Brothers movie, a little more than $100 million production budget. Number three, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the first movie, because the second one's in now. Uh, the second one's out now in theaters. The first movie uh, had a production budget just under $100 million, so I rounded it off. Number four, John Wick 4, $100 million production budget. Number five, Nefarious, $2.8 million production budget. One of these things is not like the other, <laughs> All right? I mean, it's, in, it's incredible where our movie is ranking right now in streaming in the world. And you guys, it's been, we have already done 50% more business in June than we were hoping to do the entire month of June. And it's the two-week anniversary of when we launched Nefarious via streaming. So please help us keep that momentum going. If we can pay our investors back, we're already discussing sequel and prequel ideas. We have uh, lots of really good ideas to turn this into a franchise, but this is going to be determined by whether the first one uh, can be a profitable venture or not. And we have we have taken a big step already in the last two weeks in getting to that point. For the first time, I'm I'm starting to believe we might actually pay our investors back, as I was not thinking we would until... This week, actually. So please help us keep the momentum going. It's a it's first of all, it's a good it's just a damn good movie. And remember, when you stream it and you love it, I can't I can't believe the amount of feedback I'm getting about Nefarious right now. It's even more than when it was theatrically released. Uh, Remember, wherever you stream it to post your review of the film and just thank you guys so much for um, all of the help in the, the turbo boost you've given our movie here so far in the month of June. Please help us keep the momentum going. You can stream it at Amazon Prime Salem now. Uh, the aforementioned Google slash YouTube, Apple slash iTunes, Voodoo, Roku, uh, just, a, some, just a few of the places where you can stream Nefarious now, uh, and uh, you won't regret it, as you can see in my Twitter feed with the amount of, uh, the huge amount of positive feedback that we're getting on the movie right now. And with that, it's time for the day Group. Your weekly look at the week that was begins, as it always does, with issue one, Bleep Lord Nefarious Says. Mr. Secretary, does this mean that HHS is seriously threatening to withhold hospital grants from states like my own if they refuse to go along with surgeries or, or puberty blockers for kids? 
Congressman, we're going to protect the rights of any American to get the health care they're entitled to. And if someone tries to stop them from that, that's a violation of the law. So you would withhold hospital grants from states like mine that ban transgender sex reassignment surgeries for minors. I mean, that, that's what the report says, we clearly. Will, we will protect the rights of any individual to receive the health care they're entitled to, and we will take action against anyone who tries to discriminate. So Gender-affirming care is medically necessary, safe, and effective for transgender and non-binary youth and adults. These are our kids. These are our neighbors. Not somebody else's kids. They're all our kids. It needs hope. Pride needs hope and change. And today we heard from the president, we heard from President Biden and Dr. Jill Biden on exactly that. The importance of hope and change for the LGBTQI plus community. Religious conservatives and... Uh racists, which <laughs> more often than not go hand in hand, come into your tattoo shop. If you were either one of those things, or both, you're not going to have a good time. Take your small-minded bull back to your church. If you're conservative. Go to somebody's house where you can spew your, spew your hatred in a safe environment. Because we all know you snowflakes love your safe spaces. It ain't here. It ain't here. Okay? Get him to use the tattoo kit that he got off eBay and get MRSA. No, I'm serious. Get MRSA. And, you know, subsequently get toxic and die. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a culture war guy. Well, we're going to win and we're going to help. We have plans to build a railroad from the Pacific all the way across the Indian Ocean. Yeah, but uh, I don't think he's capable. I know he's capable. I see results. I've seen a master class of results the last few years. I've seen a master class of results the last few years. Indeed, if you, you are from the deep bowels of hell, you have seen a master class of results the last few years of that i i do not doubt so let's get to it jill ladies first plus the guest always goes first as you know by now you know the routine what was the most disgusting thing that you just saw first of all i want to just say hat tip to joe biden for building a train from the pacific to the indian ocean that will be one of the most major feats that we will ever see in human history if he can accomplish a train route uh, through an ocean that that long, I mean, come on, Joe Biden, give him the props that he deserves. But for me, the worst thing in that video, it's really the juxtaposition of you must trans the kids or we won't give you any hospital rights, any any grants to your hospital. And the tattoo shop owner actually here in Tennessee, who says, if you're a conservative, you better not come in here. I hope that you get a bacterial infection and die. The fact that he can go out there and say that, he obviously doesn't know that you have to bake the cake bigot rules. I mean, does this only apply to one side? We know the answer to that question. But the fact that that both of these things can happen simultaneously in this video where you must trans the children or else, and you must not come in if you vote a different way than I do, we obviously we know we live in an upside down world 
this just goes forth and and proves it one one more time um and again aaron making these videos just absolutely brilliant the way that he does uh, all we needed was paul ryan and one one little sentence from him saying yeah i'm not a culture warrior guy love that absolutely brilliant um thank you once again aaron for uh, for everything that you do here could that fake tough guy had mentioned like any other bacterial infection other than MRSA? Just saying. Todd, your thoughts. Yeah, uh, Jill, uh, you laid it out perfectly, which is why it is for me, uh, Paul Ryan. Listen, that tattoo shop guy, uh, the uh, tranny surgeon general, whatever he is now, I can't even remember. Dick Levine. Dick Levine, uh, but whatever his title is. I, they only can exist and do to us what they do because so many people out there are Paul Ryan. There's way more Paul Ryan. Correct. Way more. Correct. And I'm not a culture worker. And all your excuses, because I got this and I got that. You guys got, didn't work here when I was told if I didn't vote for the Romney Ryan ticket, I hated America. You guys didn't work here then. I, that, that didn't persuade me because I figured on stuff yeah. like this because I knew it. Yeah. And my hometown that I grew up in, Ma Madison, Wisconsin, just yesterday, it's in Dane County. And the Dane County Board of Supervisors ma made that county the first trans sanctuary. My brother and my sister still live there. But and, the, and, Paul, and Paul Ryan is from just south. He's, he, he's, not, he's from Janesville, Wisconsin, which is... Uh, about a half hour to 45 minutes south of Madison, Wisconsin. But he's not a culture war guy. I'm telling there's, there's nothing we can say, no paper we can write, nothing we can do if that's the invincible ignorance that you are just content with. Who's the, in your view, Todd, who is the bigger threat to the Republic? The likes of Dick Levine affirmatively pushing their demonic agenda or the likes of Paul Ryan, Paul pa Ryan passively permitting it by not actively opposing it. Of course, Paul Ryan. It's, look at everywhere you look. He's in the church. He's in the Republican Party. Uh, I, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm out, I'm out of ideas. It, it, Paul Ryan is the reason why uh, hope is really tough to hold on to, to not be moved after what you've seen in the last five years means you just like you, you, you drive by the millstone store and you're like, wow, cool. Millstones. I, it's truly, it's truly amazing. Uh, the, we are living, uh, we're living in the old Testament right now with Wi-Fi and boutique coffee shops. Tell me I'm wrong. Aaron. So, since Paul Ryan has already been uh, dealt with, and uh, wonderfully so, uh, I think it's the video the White House put out. These are our children. These are our neighbors. They belong to all. They belong to us. That is a direct attempt, and I do not. I'm not embellishing this. I don't believe. I believe this wholeheartedly. That is an attempt to normalize groomer linguistics. Hey, there's all, there are, it sounds nice. Oh, they're, they're all our children. We're all one big community. Mm, uh, set against the backdrop of the pride flag? No. No. It's just straight 200 proof evil. Hmm. 
Let's get to the exit question. On a scale of 1 to 10, with the odds that Donald Trump will avoid being sentenced to prison by the D.C. grand jury in the next 12 months, and 10 being the odds, Lindsey Graham will watch about 12 prison movies per month. Rank this week's level of total depravity, Jill. You took it easy on him this week, uh, but 10. That's because they're going to take it. They're, they're going to take it hard on him there in the Pope. If you know what I'm saying. Todd. 10. Aaron. 10. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Four shards and seven puddings ago just popped into my head again. Is that the greatest line in the history of this show? Is it among them? Four shards and seven puddings ago. I it's, think so. It, it's among them. It's at least among them, isn't it? It's at least among them. All right, before we move on with the show, uh, I need to get my composure. And you guys need to make sure you are you get prepared for the next uh, emergency. Yeah, we'll call it that. Uh, that they uh, they spring at us, uh, on us, or just uh, coincidentally springs forth from the wet markets of the world where unsuspecting killer viruses just happen to hatch magically. So our friends at Jace Medical, uh, they made sure that uh, you could get a backup of the most venerable antibiotics out there just in case they were the next on the list to be suddenly classified as dangerous. Well, now they want to help you back up your own antibiotics for up to 12 months. So you are medically prepared medically prepared for the next let's go brandon event uh the 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 next we must do something like completely end our way of life event uh this could be anything dealing with uh mental health medication uh antibiotics of any kind uh, whether you're dealing with high cholesterol a wide variety uh and that's what makes this backup plan the 12-month backup plan in case of emergency from jace medical a must purchased for this event or this time of uh, year that we are living in and I was just looking at some data this morning Chile 92% vaccinated massive spikes massive spikes that have been ongoing in the country since they rolled out the vaccine in, in excess deaths massive spikes Folks, make sure you are prepared. Go to jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E, J-A-S-E for jacemedical.com. Use the code DACE at checkout for a discount at jacemedical.com. All right, let us get to issue two, which is indictment number two. Donald Trump faced indictment number two and subsequently arraignment number two in Miami, Florida this week. Trump faces allegations he mishandled classified documents and obstructed efforts to get said documents back. Trump discussed the matter during a speech in Bedminster, New Jersey, earlier this week. If the communists get away with this, it won't stop with me. They will not hesitate to ramp up their persecution of Christians, pro-life activists, parents attending school board meetings, and even future Republican candidates, which they do. We must end it permanently, and we must end it immediately. Now that the seal... So important is broken. The seal is broken by what they've done. They should never have done this. This was an unwritten rule. You just don't, unless it's really bad. But you just don't. But the seal is now broken. First question. So we've already been talking about this, Jill. We're going to go back to you for a a different, maybe, or at least a fresh perspective on it. Earlier this week, 
I said both on this show and social media that those calling for unanimous rallying behind Trump in the primary. Well, actually, let me stop. Does anybody here want to argue that this is a legitimate criminal, a, a criminal investigation of any kind? Anybody want to make the case that this is, this, that this is a worthwhile enterprise from the Department of, by the Department of Justice to consider? No. Okay. All right. So therefore, then, we'll move on to my, because I agree. Let's move on then to my question. Earlier this week, I said both on this show and social media that those who are calling for a unanimous rallying behind Trump in the primary are really asking us to gamble that independent voters who have made it very clear for three elections in a row they don't like Trump will now suddenly see him as a martyr. So, Jill, I want to know, what are, what are your thoughts on that calculation? Do you think that's a, a prudent observation for me to make? Would you put it a different way? Would you be focused on something else in the aftermath of this? Because I, and the reason why I made this observation is I, I don't see a way to stop this other than to win the next election and put people in power who will stop these things and do things differently. I, I don't know what to do until then. But, Jill, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you on winning is the absolute only objective that I care about, and I want to see that done. And when I look at Trump in particular, whether this goes through or not, whether he actually is, you know, under house arrest or goes to prison in some way, shape or form, is that going to ultimately change the hearts and minds of the American people, specifically the independents? No, people are so already ingrained in what they feel about Donald Trump. You either love him or you hate him. And there is absolutely no in between. And what we need to have happen is you need to win the states like uh, Nevada and Arizona, Wisconsin. And is Trump going to be able to do that? When you look at them, and we, we all kind of agree here on the show, the 2020 election, Steve was the first one on Blaze TV to go through and say they are stealing it in front of our eyes. If they were able to do that with Trump as president in 2020, why would they not do this again to him in 2024 when he's already not the president and already under indictment and could be under house arrest or in prison? To me, the logic at the end of this doesn't add up to what you think is going to happen. If you're a loyal Trump supporter, explain the road to me to where independents are going to change their minds, because I absolutely cannot see a way that women in particular are going to say, oh, this Donald Trump, I've been wrong about him since 2015. Now, all of a sudden, because they're going after him, I'm going to change my mind. No, these are the same women who masked their two-year-olds, who jabbed their 12-year-olds, who were going through and saying, oh, we can't have any of this stuff going on because COVID, scare tactics, everything else that that the left and everybody was forcing upon them, they are not suddenly going to wake up because Donald Trump is put in jail. They are going to be the ones cheering for it. So let's discuss it from there, okay? Uh, I had not seen that video of Trump post-indictment. That's actually excellent messaging by Trump. That's... To me, I, I think that's probably the best possible messaging of this by Trump. And when, and when he anoints himself as, what did he say at CPAC? I am your retribution. That is a potent and powerful talking point and, um, and effective. Why? Because it's true to some degree. If you just simply watch the behavior of the other side, they will, they will, they will grant him that by the way they behave toward him. They, 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 they affirm his case. 
And the, the challenge has been with Trump in the last couple of years is is him deviating from that and making it making it about him rather than him making it about you rather than him going to the white house and using the presidency as a platform to highlight the 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 march for life and now trump is saying you guys are too pro-life you're going to cost us elections that's just an example of what i mean when i say there's the trump that is a force of nature for good when he allows his popularity and persona and celebrity to be a vehicle for people like us. And then there's the Trump when the ego gets in the way that he, it, with the little Ahab streak, uh, and he gets, uh, he frankly acts out of fear, like what he's saying about abortion, what he did in agreeing to lock the country down, handing Moderna, uh, you know, billions of dollars to bring a pocket product to market for the first time and letting him experiment on us. So those are kind of the two, my own observation, those are kind of the two heads of Donald Trump as a public figure. The, the good one, the powerful one, well, they're both powerful, but the one righteously powerful is the one embodied in that video. So let's start with that then as a launch point for this next question. Aaron, I'll start with you. Do you think that kind of messaging, if sustainable, and, and we can all argue how much he can sustain something. That's it. We can bring it up every single time. Let's set that aside. If it's consistently sustainable, is that kind of messaging for the next 18 months, 17 months, capable of persuading enough independents to see Donald Trump as a martyr and vote for him uh, when they didn't before? I don't believe so. But then again, I, we are so, as a people, we are so all over the place on any number of issues you know, we are most of us. Most of us are Paul Ryan. I'm not saying spe- us on the show. I'm just saying generally as, as a population of Americans, most of us are like Paul Ryan. And if that's true, then that type of messaging, given the source, given the messenger, it's good messaging, but it doesn't matter because of the messenger and Donald Trump. I wish it were the case because I agree with you. It's good messaging. It really is, but I don't think that's going to that by itself is going to persuade independence. I'm not really sure what will at this point because this is now three elections in a row, 2018, 2020, and 2022, where independents have uh, apparently become more and more disdained with uh, the prospect of the GOP, especially where Trump and his fingerprints are concerned. So I'm not really sure what could persuade them to do otherwise. Now, Republicans did lose independence again in 2022, as Aaron pointed out. But we should note they did make up ground. They should have won independence in 2022. They didn't. But they went from losing them by eight to nine points in 2018 and 2020 to losing them, I think, by three points in 2022. So they did make up some substantial ground. But those three points, frankly, were the difference in the scant majorities that you have now and the red wave that many were forecasting. Okay, so same question to you, Todd. I think that's probably about the best possible messaging at this point that the Trump camp is capable of. If they could sustain that with that, do you do you believe that that would persuade enough independents to see him differently than they have before? No. Why? No. Uh, he's making an argument uh, that a coup happened. He, he He's right. I've been doing coup updates for a very, very uh, long time. But Jill, once again, is correct. She said, what the people are the problem. They perpetuated a coup on themselves during COVID. They said, hit me harder, mask me harder, vax me harder. That's not a people who is in any way capable of making the level of discernment. We're talking, they don't care. They just don't care. Then what would it be? They, they, do you know, do you have Donald any- Trump better have some dirt on Biden? 
I mean, he's got to, it's got to be Epstein Island. He's got to say, uh, we got to get to the bottom. If these videos really exist, you, you have got to bottom out Biden so hard because Biden cut in these, these, these first. Yes. So you think we need to repeat 2016. If he's the nominee, you're saying there needs to be a repeat of 2016 where both candidates. And right now they're only at 31% in the last poll approval. I just saw, but this was the first presidential election since we've been keeping this stat. 2016 was that both candidates were underwater and favorables had never happened before. I mean, they were like way underwater. Mm -hmm. Like Trump was like minus 30 and Hillary's like minus 18. So or something like crazy numbers that those probably aren't exactly right. I'm probably exaggerating a, 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 a smidge. But it's the first presidential election we ever had where both major party nominees were underwater and net favorable. You're saying it's going to require something that negative again, if in nothing else, to then suppress Biden's vote is what you're yes. saying. We can argue whether the polls are accurate. Right. You, you have more to state, restate the record in 2016. They were not in, in 2020. They were not in 2022. They were very accurate. Actually. And also your point, obviously, what matters is Iowa and New Hampshire before anything else. But when you put head to head Biden versus Trump, I by Biden, no matter how bad he gets on every front, he still wins. What he's if going Democrats, to he has if, to bottom him out. What if Democrats, what if he's the nominee? What if he's the nominee, he's a convicted felon, and Gavin Newsom or Michelle Obama is the Democratic nominee? <laughs> I had that exact same thought earlier. I'm asking. What, what, we, got, we, we got two minutes here. Game theory wiping, that out for me, what you think right now. That's a floor wipe for the Democrats. Against him, you think? Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Jill, what totally do you think? Agree with that. When I look at the Donald Trump issue, it kind of reminds me of Vivek Ramaswamy. He was fully on the Trump train coming out of the gates, and I believe it was before indictment number two, but he said, man, I liked candidate Trump in 2015 way better than I like this candidate running this time. There's major differences. So when I think of, is Trump going to be able to gain the independent votes? How many votes has he already lost, though, with the Republican base because there is now a better alternative in some people's minds, would that even be close to gaining, even if he got all the independents, you know, that, that hey, go, go independence, go Trump. But DeSantis is now in the picture. So you have to add that variable in it as well. We and had the, I, you I had the CBS at, poll this week that showed 24% of Republicans are not even considering him in the primary. What we, yeah. which is almost the exact same percentage that said they're only considering him. The, the question we don't know is how many of them would not even consider him in a general election? How many of them would consider him in a general um, if Biden is the nominee? And they're like, we just can't have this old, you know, codger again. How many of them would, would be like, would consider him if Michelle Obama or Gavin Newsom, a younger, fresher faces? These are unknowable things right now. Go ahead, Joe. I just look at the polling and everybody says, oh, Trump, he's so much further ahead. Right. All the all the people on Twitter. But as a former president, I would expect him to have a bigger lead than just, you know, 52 percent or whatever the, the latest polls say for Trump. If I'm a former president who has the entire deep state going after me and I think that I need to come in and wipe the floor, 52 percent isn't going to get it done because the, the percentage that you are going to have to have to to win on, on one side just for the primary is going to be large but to overcome that in a general election is going to have to be so large that it can't be stolen from you right the 2016 i'm sure that they cheated again but it wasn't large enough 
to get Hillary over right. Trump. I mean, look, I, I keep pointing this it. out. Look at how Huge. much they had to cheat in broad daylight to win by yes. a combined 45,000 votes in Arizona, Georgia, uh, and uh, uh, I can't remember the third, Wisconsin. Those were the three states decided by less than uh, right around 45,000 votes that, that if you switched them from Biden to, to Trump, Trump is the president. You saw, I mean, we had, we had to see, we had to see like the scene from Miracle on 34th Street where they're dropping off the, the letters of the courthouse. We had to see that in your home state overnight for them to, for them to win. Okay. It's, it's not as easy to just cheat two to three points as I think people think. It's just not. When you're talking about millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of votes, it's not as easy. They had to cheat their asses off in broad daylight to win by 45,000 total votes in three states. So that speaks to what you're talking about there. I'm going to change the exit question in light of how you guys answered my previous questions, if you don't mind. Okay? Still a true or false question. True or false. Donald Trump's best chance to stay out of prison is to not be the Republican nominee for president in 2024. True or false? True. 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 Now, really quick, why are you each saying true? Because you don't think he can win? Is that why you're thinking? Correct. So to, to pardon himself? Yes. Correct. Okay. Um, because I don't think any of us think if he, like, stepped down tomorrow, I don't think they'd stop this. Do you guys oh, think no. that? Oh, no. No, 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 no. 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 So we don't, I don't think That's anybody here. why this here, is even a question. Yeah, agreed. I don't think any of us here blame him for not letting him drive him out of the race if for no other reason than, I, I mean, that wouldn't stop this from happening anyway. I don't right. think any of us blame him for that. But then you have to ask yourself, can you win then? Okay, so you can pardon yourself. Because if you can't, well, yikes. Okay. All right, we'll come back. I never thought I'd ever ask this question. Find out what it is when we return. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, powered by our friends over at Patriot Mobile. I know we are all wishing for a parallel economy that would assure us we wouldn't have to give any of our money to people who hate us. Unfortunately, that's just not feasible at the moment. But luckily, there are places where we can still uh, do business strategically. Uh, and one of them, thankfully, is with a product that we all need to use nowadays, a mobile phone. And you can make the switch today to our friends over at Patriot Mobile. Uh, and they've got outstanding customer service as America's only really American mobile phone company left. Uh, one of the great things they offer you as a perk, if you remember, anytime you need to make a switch on any of the three major networks, if you move to another place where one network is stronger than the other, another part in your own town where that's the case, uh, they can help you make that switch for free anytime you want. Just one of the outstanding ways they take care of you at Patriot Mobile on top of the fact they don't take the money you give them and then use it against you. They don't. Instead, they support the same causes that you do. You can use uh, my name, Steve, as the offer code for a free activation today. If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know when you go to make the switch. They'll have extra ways to say thank you to you for your service. Uh, just go to PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. Again, that's PatriotMobile.com slash Steve or call them at 878-PATRIOT. Again, that is 8 878- Seven eight Patriot. Here is a question I never thought I would ask. But given events of the last few weeks, I think it's actually on the table. Issue three is Fox News over. I actually had an intro prepared for this, talking about ratings and things like this. 
But I think this thread from Matt Walsh that he published last night is even more devastating than the ratings. Now, this is a long thread, so I'm just going to read until you tell me to stop, Steve. No, I want the audience to see this. Go ahead. Matt says, we've obtained internal documents from Fox News employees. Fox Corp is celebrating pride by encouraging employees to read about glory holes, supporting a group that gives sterilizing hormones to homeless youth, and deployed woke AI to monitor everyone. The documents we're about to show you were produced by Fox Corp, which is the parent company of Fox News. These materials are presented to Fox News employees when they log into their employee portal. Let's start at the top. Under the heading Support One Another, Fox encourages employees to donate to the Trevor Project, Ali Forney Center, and LALGBT Center. The Trevor Project, which Fox says is devoted to helping LGBTQ young people, hosts a sexually explicit chat room that connects children as young as 13 years old with LGBT adults. The Ali Forney Center, which Fox praises for rescuing homeless LGBT youth, appears to admit on Twitter and its website that it injects these homeless youth with cross-sex hormones, which are known to cause sterilization. The Los Angeles LGBT Center, which Fox calls Unstoppable, has posted a video of a mother surprising her trans daughter with the child's first dose of hormones. YouTube removed the footage for terms of service violations, but a screenshot is still on Twitter. Let's stroll down a little bit more on the Fox employee portal. Employees are also encouraged to expand their perspective by reading books by trans activists, including a memoir titled Fairest about a precocious boy who would come up or grow up to become a woman. The book contains information that's obviously important for Fox employees as they go about their duties at work. For example, an early scene explains what a glory hole is. The Fox-endorsed book also details the author's graphic description of having a uh, C-word for penis in his mouth. Another book that Fox leadership encourages its employees to read, Red, White, and Royal Blue, is about a fictional gay relationship between the Prince of Wales and the president's son. It contains this dialogue calling America a genocidal empire. Should I go on? The book, which Fox suggests will expand your perspective, also quickly devolves into gay erotica. Fox leadership doesn't just pick out books for adult employees. They're also suggesting pride rainbow-filled kids' books with a character who comes out as a unicorn, presumably symbolizing coming out as gay or transgender. Fox further recommends that employees listen to podcasts like Query and watch various TED Talks about LGBT life. In one of those talks, a woman explains that undergoing a medically unnecessary double mastectomy is a sign of strength. Elsewhere on the Fox employee portal, workers are encouraged to attend a Ben and Jerry's powered pride event at the New York headquarters of Fox News. Not all Fox employees are happy with this propaganda. That might be why last year Fox experimented with a solution to monitor employees' commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's an artificial intelligence platform called Escalera, which tracks employees' commitment to the cult of DEI. Fox leadership told employees to sign up for Escalera so that the AI could help them engage in activities that would deepen their understanding of identity and explore more nuanced D&I concepts. Escalera says it pulls in data from various sources, including the email and payroll systems. It generates a peer comfort index and a diversity index based in part on how often employees practice micro affirmations. Unreal. 
One of Escalera's key functions is to influence decisions involving personnel. The AI can even calculate an attrition cost that different divisions could suffer if they fail to promote DEI. (laughs) All of the woke indoctrination Fox pushes on its employees seems to have succeeded. Some Fox News employees are openly hostile to their audience. Here's the Instagram page of one employee with pronouns in the bio who is highly influential over Fox News' actual content. The employee frequently posts about his work at Fox News, like this Biden victory image he was, quote, so happy we got to use. This Fox News employee also regularly lashes out at Fox News' audience. In a recent post, for example, he attacked conservatives' concerns over a drag queen event targeting children, writing, when are you hicks going to be honest about who the real problem is? The Fox News employee also came out in support of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, a group that openly mocks the Catholic faith. Quote, Catholics wonder why we have an order of nuns to push back on this ridiculous garbage, he said. Do executives and owners at Fox just not know what's happening in their company? Are they trying to comply with some onerous New York state law? Do they not care? Do they actually support this nonsense? Or maybe Fox leadership isn't concerned with how the audience feels because they're not really beholden to those viewers at all. Like YouTube, some of Fox's largest shareholders are enormous institutional investors, particularly BlackRock and Vanguard. These massive funds consolidate the wealth of millions of Mm. Americans and then use their combined voting power to pursue a radical agenda most of those Americans oppose. They're Fox's real customers. They're getting exactly what they want. Again, that's a Twitter thread from The Daily Wire's Matt Walsh. That was incredible. This is on top of, it looks like Fox News is going to finish this week as not the number one cable news network for the first time in who knows how long. Uh, It has its lowest ratings ever in the history of the network within the key 25 to 54 year old demo. I don't know if you guys watched Tucker's tweet video number four last night. I thought it was actually the most savage one he has done yet. And he savaged Fox News within it as well keep in mind this platform for the last 25 years was the watchman on the wall gatekeeper of what you got to see as a conservative within conservative media what you got to see republicans stand for in washington dc no one wanted to cross them politicians i know i was told this by names you would know we can't do that steve it wouldn't play on fox Many of our top personalities for many, many years, everything was built around, how do I get on Fox? Well, saying this, make it that I can't get on Fox. This was the plumb line for conservative media for decades. We are watching it collapse right in our very, right before our very eyes, to some degree anyway. So other than rehiring Tucker Carlson, what could be done to thwart this? Save it, Todd. Uh, nothing. It, it's, it's played out. It, it, it's run its course. It's done its job. It's turned most of its audience, uh, in many respects to a version of Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan is on one of the, isn't he on the board there? So Mr. I'm not, a he was at guy. some point, I don't know if he, sh- if he still is, but the fact that was recently, maybe not a, a, anymore, approves your point. Nevertheless, let's go even deeper still in, in the matrix, you recall it, it explains that the original matrix in that movie series was made too perfect. And the pod people naturally rejected. There's an internal human tension. Yeah. So they made, you know, the strife that comes along with real life. That's what you experienced in in the pod. This is what we've been in the matrix. And maybe that was the point all along. I don't know. 
with Fox, but it certainly became that. Because here's the problem. Why is Fox News always so much better in the ratings? Because it's the only one. MSNBC and CNN. No, no, there's a, there is another reason. They have st- they don't just sit around from 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock watching the news. It's not entertainment for them. They're actual citizens. They're debauched and depraved ones, but they go out and they take ground. We just sit around and watch the entertainment shows. Hmm. That's true, and it's a hard truth. But, folks, yeah, that's why everybody who watches, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? You're just used to being entertained. You've been passive for how long now? You can't do this. Yes, we need better, uh, we need good conservative information, but it's not a lifestyle choice. You don't take ground. You just watch shows. They don't watch shows. They take ground. Jill. I was going to use the Matrix analogy. Todd already used it, so we'll let that one go. But don't forget when we talk about Fox News, Dana Perino last year. Yeah, it was last year during Pride Month. Yeah. And she had the glowing segment on the trans child and his transition and the family and everybody just embracing it and how wonderful it was. So Fox News has been telling you who they were. Now that Tucker Carlson is gone, there is no reason to turn back. Donald Trump going out, calling out Kaylee McEnany and then going and having a town hall with Sean Hannity a few days later, no one cares, right? Like you see, you see Fox News and all the Trump people hate it. But now everybody sans Tucker is waking up and saying, wow, I think that they've hated us the entire time. And it will be interesting to see BlackRock, right? In, In Target, in Bud Light, in Fox News, do they care about the loss of wealth in the, in the shareholder value, or do they care about the messaging more? That is the answer that we're going to find. And I think that we are going to see that it will still be the messaging because they have a, a ton of money that they're still earning in other places. But to me, the, the gloves are off, the masks are off. And, and you could see Glenn Beck years and years and years ago saying, I need to leave this place and start my own thing. And that's why we're here talking on Blaze TV right now. Aaron, quickly, one other thing we should add, as I throw it over back, or throw it back to you. Um, I mean, Fox went wall to wall coverage with the Trump indictment and Trump's press conference and everything else more than any other cable network did. It didn't even save its rating. That did not even save its ratings this week. If we are now at the point with Fox, Aaron, that even going ahead and catering to Trump's base with the content and the programming they want at a crucial time for Donald Trump, if that cannot save them in the ratings, I, I don't know what they do at this point. Yeah, Fox News doesn't need saving. It needs an exorcism, and Beelzebub cannot cast out Beelzebub. So it's it's screwed. Poor Lachlan Murdoch. I mean, sorry, man. Them's the breaks sometimes when you are when you go woke. But I... That's really all I, I have to say about this. It, it is screwed at this moment. I think what we're seeing here is Tucker Carlson really was Fox News. And Fox News is admitting that now because they are trying to keep him silent. Mm-hmm. They're trying to keep him silent. One guy's Twitter but, account it yeah, threatens an entire network. Through 2025. Yeah. That's an interesting timing. Why would they want to keep him silent through, through this time period? Seems pretty arbitrary. Yeah. yeah. Weird. Okay. Exit question. If Fox News, is Fox News over? Will it at some point resume its perch as the alpha of the conservative media space, food chain, or will it remain a viable and influential entity, albeit not nearly as powerfully so as it used to be? What is the ultimate fate here, Aaron? CNN. It's just another CNN. 
Wow. Correct. Todd? Correct. Jill? Yeah, it's absolutely over. And to Aaron's point, Lachlan is, I believe, actually getting what he wants in a less conservative Fox News. And this is what it looks like. By the way, I should have mentioned this at the top of the show. Aaron is training someone today. Just in case of emergency, him and I realized recently he's the most indispensable person here, and we have no backup for him in case of an emergency. That's why you're not seeing him on camera today. He's I got, also have a giant um, a giant boil on my forehead, too, that I don't want anybody to see. Well, there's that as well. Yeah. I was just going to go. I was going to cover for you. Oh, but thank you. That, that's all right. That's all right. So that's out, there. Of the that's out there now, too. All right. Very quickly, who's the alternative media host or platform you think needs more prominence in a post-Fox world? Kicker question. Quick answer, Aaron. Go. Uh, Steve Dace. Okay, self, no, no self, you know, indulgent answers. Okay, Aaron McIntyre. <laughs> Even more so. I liked it. Jill, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to go with an off-the-wall one, and Dave Collum, he has a year-in-review document that he does. He's a professor at Cornell, but he's brilliant. Every podcast that he goes on is a must-listen to, in my opinion. Okay, Todd? Dow Bigtree. That's, that's my, an on-brand my, choice for Todd, but not a bad one. My serious an- answer would be Matthew Peterson. I've always dug his stuff. Well, my understanding is he's about to get a bigger platform yeah. here. Oh, yeah. I'm just not sure I can say anything. Can I, can I say anything about that? I don't know. I don't so, know. I, so I'm not sure, so I won't. Okay. All right, let's get to predictions. Aaron, go. Uh, I believe the uh, by the end of the summer, so by the end of like August, we actually will get the recordings of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden making deals and taking bribes, and nothing will be done about it. Interesting. Okay, Todd. Uh, within the next five years, uh, July Fourth will be canceled as a federal holiday in many blue states. Oh, I could totally see that. <laughs> Going back to your prediction, Aaron. I mean, you want to talk about the most demonic outcome? Yeah. Later this summer, they indict Donald Trump in D.C. Yep. Over the January Sixth stuff, and then we still get the tapes of bribery yeah. and blackmail with the Bidens anyway, and then nothing happens on top of it. I mean, that would be the most demonic yeah. outcome of them all for sure. Which is why that's probably that's why it's a value that's, bet. That's why it's a value bet. That's exactly sad but true. Yes. All right, Jill, go ahead. Uh, way too early Iowa football prediction because I tried to get it last year and it didn't work out. Brian Ferentz, he needs 25 points per game and seven wins uh, for him to go ahead and keep his job. The Hawkeyes averaged 17 and a half points per game last season. Uh, Brian will fall well short of 25 points per game. Unfortunately, oh, I, I, abs- I absolutely think he'll get 25 points per game. I do. Because they're counting the defensive points too. Yep. They, they are. They are counting the defensive points. Too. They are. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm that defensive coordinator, I'm like, hey, man, if I'm Phil Parker, where's my cut of that? All right. Uh, my prediction is the new and final Indiana Jones film will sadly, and I, I say this with no glee, trust me, will sadly be the biggest flop at the box office this year in terms of budget and its return. It'll be the biggest flop of the year at the box office. I hate saying that. That's where we are. Doesn't seem to have learned any lessons from its previous flop at the box office. No, and it decided that. Uh, and you, I mean, I just I just saw another cut of the trailer. Went and saw the Flash last night, which I really enjoyed. Went and saw the Flash last night, and they had a new trailer for the Indiana Jones film, and they even more highlighted, you know, at the beginning of it, this mysterious goddaughter, and of course, you know, to pass on the legacy because. Everything, everything has to be, quote-unquote, female empowerment now. 
so you're just undermining the character himself so joe good to see you as always thank you you too see you guys soon all right we'll come back it'll be feedback friday when we do stay tuned All right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand, right here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you, and all of you, though hopefully not all at once, can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWeGab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Getter, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, as well as at Real Steve Dace over on Truth Social. And again, That's D-E-A-C-E. If you are a podcast listener, thank you. Please, if you have yet to do this, hit subscribe, or if you're on iTunes, follow, and then give us a five-star review, if you like us, of course. If you don't, then maybe just keep that to yourself. We are really sensitive about criticism around here. A couple of things I want to mention. It was on Wednesday, the 20th wedding anniversary for Staff Sergeant Retired U.S. Marine Corps, Jacob Toppin and his wife. So we wanted to give them a shout out on 20 years. Jacob, congrats on finding a woman who would put up with you for that long, brother. Not easily done. Uh, also, um, Melissa Bachran, I think is how her last name is pronounced. She is a very active member of the SteveDace.com inbox. We, I hear from her frequently. She turns 60 on Saturday. And wanted us to say happy birthday to her. So, Melissa, happy birthday to you. You bet. And I thought that there was one more. Oh, yeah. Jim Bicknell. It's his birthday today. So, we're getting... Do we need to fire up the, the Beatles today is your birthday? FM, DJ, zoo, morning zoo radio thing. We're getting these so frequently now. Okay. But uh, nevertheless, Jim, uh, happy birthday to you. Todd, you have a birthday or anything coming up or no one cares? Uh, uh, both. <laughs> Yes, indeed. That is the most Todd thing ever. Um, All right. Let's get to Feedback Friday. Brought to you by our friends over at My Patriot Supply. If you are following the dire headlines today, just in case, you know, remember if, if we had done like a My Patriot Supply promotional line in like 2019 saying, guys, you just never know, man. Here's here. Stock up on My Patriot Supplies backup of emergency toilet paper you just never know when we'll run out that would have sounded nuts right yep then we got up one day at the end of march in 2020 and suddenly you were on your knees thanking the maker if you got to costco and you saw toilet paper in the store the more nuts something sounds now the more likely it is to be true if it's just normal sounding that's uh, that's never going to happen that's true so make sure you're prepared with a three-month emergency food kit from my patriot supply that's breakfast lunch dinner even drinks and snacks the full complement of 2000 plus calories that you need per day you can save 200 dollars on each individual kit not the whole bill even better each individual kit and you get free shipping and free shipping when you go to preparewithdace.com preparewithdace.com free shipping $200 off of every kit at preparewithdace.com all right we ready for some feedback friday yes all right let's begin with joel bernadin he writes i think i can confidently say that i am one of the few black men who listen and watch your show or subscribe to the blaze for that matter i don't know do you guys have an idea I mean, how would we know that? I mean, if you're if you're surmising, it's because over what is it, eighty five, ninety percent of Black Americans vote for Democrats. Then okay, 
you know. But uh, he goes, I wanted to reach out and give you a quick note on the hair bill in Texas. I know this may sound weird, but being discriminated against due to hairstyles is a real thing. Someone I mentor went through this when he first started working in corporate America. He had well-kept dreadlocks, and his manager basically told him to cut it since it will be looked down upon. Another friend, a female, had a similar issue because she had an afro. It wasn't big or outrageous, but definitely a fro. By the way, both of these instances, though, happened in New York, of all places. Wanted to share those instances with you to give you a different perspective. Uh, maybe you guys have never heard about it. I told you guys on the show the other day, I'd never heard of this. Never heard about it. Um, whether or not it's a bill that needs to be passed now or if this is a major issue in Texas at, at this exact moment can be debated. But you seem like someone who wants to hear the truth and different perspectives, so I figured I'd shoot you the email. Either way, either way keep doing your thing, my man. Well, I, that's, I do like that. That's why we're, we shared your note, Joel, so thank you. So this apparently has happened Albeit, it appears to be, at least in Joel's uh, sphere of influence, more of an issue in deep blue, allegedly uh, post-racial New York. Okay, so I don't believe in discriminating against anything unless what you're doing is immoral. If what you're doing is immoral, I'm all for discriminating against it. If we're talking about who you are as a being provided it's not a promotion of immorality then I don't believe in discriminating against if what you claim to do or what you claim to be is immoral then I'm all for discriminating against you yes but your hairstyle more than likely would not be immoral so I don't know that anything changes, though, from what I said the other day. I mean, Texas is under an invasion. An invasion. And, and this, this, is, this is what the legislator, legislature acts upon. The Speaker of the Texas House is a friggin' drunk. Which may explain why this is the priority. I don't know. But, uh, you know, there's, there's a few other problems in Texas. They couldn't get school choice passed, at least so far this session, from what I remember. I... I, I, there has to be more priorities than dealing with, with hair discrimination. Although, as a man that is losing his, I will say, I could see myself getting much more sensitive about hair discrimination in the future, or the lack thereof. Thank you for your note, Joel. Can I say something? Of course. We just so watered down that term, discrimination, and this once again puts me in the awkward position of having to defend uh, Aaron and the Iowa Hawkeyes. But we, we went through this. Aaron, wasn't it right after COVID? Was it 2020? Right 20? during. But yeah, it was right during COVID. With the, so racism was suddenly everywhere inside the Iowa football program. No, you know, it's like um, pull up your pants. Maybe stop wearing hoodies. Now, should this go for the white guys too? Should they, if you don't have, if you have a hair standard for the black guys, absolutely no long hair for the white guys. But like having a standard at all was really the problem there. That wasn't a, that, that wasn't a program. I'll argue with any of you sports bros uh, that are all uh, more woke than anybody else on this. You just had to drink the Kool-Aid on this. But this is getting nonsensical. How is viewing this kind of stuff as as somehow um the prem the premise of what the letter writer um at least introduces how's that go how's that going for black america 
Are they are they being lifted up? No, they're they're just getting more and more uh, uh, addicted to victimization. This is pointless. This is absolutely pointless. Next, Darren Ray wants to know, I like this question. If you were to do an old school double feature at the drive-in, what other movie would you pair with or do you think would complement Nefarious? I like this question a lot. And I'm going to give you a very surprising choice probably. So when we constructed the, the story and when Carrie and Chuck wrote their script for Nefarious off the story that we constructed, a lot of the, we, some of the things we were in, inspired by, the uh, Edward Norton and his first starring role in a movie in the 90s called Primal Fear, is he really a split personality or a murderer, okay? We, we tie it into some of that with, uh, with you know, uh, Edward mm-hmm. Wayne Brady. Um, one of the ideas that, was, that, was, that we had was the part of Silence of the Lambs. Do you guys even remember that Buffalo Bill was a tranny killer? Mm-hmm. Like, you, 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 don't, you know it when I say it, but what everybody remembers about Silence of the Lambs is the exchanges between Clarice yeah. and Hannibal Lecter. Right. So why not, just, you know, it's, we, why not just do a movie like that? Like, do you like Captain Crunch with Crunchberries, or wouldn't you rather just have Crunchberries? Just... just but just the berries by themselves is better, right? You had a cereal, this thing, didn't you? <laughs> I did. And so the parts that everyone remembers about Silence of the Lambs the most is the interaction between Clarice and, and Hannibal. So let's just do a movie with just those interactions and, and not to mention it wouldn't be that expensive to make, okay? So um, those are some of the things that we were inspired by, but I wouldn't necessarily pick those movies to complement our film because our film wants to and, and strives to and I think effectively does expose some of the spirits behind movies like that and what they're trying to articulate. I mean, for example, I can't tell you how many times I am hearing now that we're even getting more exposure for nefarious via streaming. Thank you. I cannot tell you how many times I'm hearing now. If if there was any decency in Hollywood at all. Sean Patrick Flannery would be at least nominated for an Oscar for that performance. But since it's exposing Satan, we all know he won't be. I I mean, I've heard this a million times, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, one of the laws of philosophy, for one statement to be true, the inverse must also be true. Otherwise you have a fallacy, right? And so if we're agreeing that it's true, that Sean couldn't possibly be given the professional acknowledgement he deserves because the movie exposes Satan and his works for real, then the inverse would, must also be true then, which is that Hollywood is either controlled by or a portion of it is promoting actively Satan and his works, right? I mean, if they weren't, like, would you care if someone actively if, uh, promoted that the uh, Iowa Hawkeye football program sucked? Would that bother you at all? You don't mm. care about the Iowa football program, do you? You don't give a rip. Right. You don't care. You don't care if the quarterback sucks. You're not a Hawkeye fan. Correct. Right? So Aaron might care. Might not want to talk about it. You know, might might want to be like, you know, let's, there's got to be other things we can do, other things we can talk about. Can we just ignore that? Now it sucks to talk about. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because you're getting in the way of, of his agenda as a fan of that particular team. So if it's true that Sean Patrick Flannery could not possibly be recognized in Hollywood for his performance because it, his performance reveals satan in his works then aren't we 
on the other hand, at least implying that Hollywood is either promoting sense, uh, um, in favor of or sensitive to that which would expose yes. Satan and his works. Yes. Yeah. By the way, I asked Sean last week, guy's been in Hollywood for over 30 years. He's got a lot of friends. I asked him last week, how many of your Hollywood friends have said anything to you about the movie? Even, even like quietly, like I couldn't possibly promote your movie, man, because of what it's about. But I saw a great performance, stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? You know what his answer was? Nobody. Said it has blown his mind. Nobody has. He even said his own agent hasn't said a word to him about the movie. Nothing. Total blackout. Total bleeping blackout. None of his Hollywood friends. Not even his own agent. Will even say stuff off the record like, oh man, I watched your performance. You know I can't tweet about that movie, you know, here in Hollywood. But dude, that performance was dope. Nothing. Nothing like that. Complete just freeze out. Jordan, Isaiah Thomas, and the and the Dream Team Olympics level of free out, freeze out here. Like it's like he didn't make this movie. It didn't happen. What does that tell you? So, then what movie would I choose as the compliment to this movie? It's an obscure movie from the early two thousands, named Joshua. That's the movie I would choose. Why? Because I think, with similar to our movie, with a very modest budget, it tells a powerful spiritual tale. And I think after sitting through our movie for an hour and 40 minutes, you're going to need some Jesus. Okay? And Joshua brings that to you. And I, I wouldn't put Tony Goldwyn's performance as Jesus on par, necessarily, with the level of performance that Sean has as Nefarious, but it is a very good and powerful performance, nevertheless. So I think after Nefarious is done, you've had enough darkness. You don't need to have any of the movies, Seven, Primal Fear, Silence of the Lambs, The Omen that inspired us with Nefarious. You've had enough of that. Plus, those things are all fake. We brought you the real evil. Why why would we want to pair you with fake evil after showing you the real thing, right? So after we show you real evil, you know what we want to show you now? Real good. And so that's why I would pick Joshua. Thoughts on that? I've only seen that movie uh, once, uh, I think upon your recommendation a long time ago. Uh, I could see it. I, I think I might go in a um, a, a different uh, direction. I, it popped into my head, um, but in terms of the good evil level of tension with real, real stakes, but a totally different genre to get you, uh, I might go like Book of Eli or something like that. I could see that too. Similar in tone with the grittiness and everything yes, else, yes. but 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 there is a surprising revelation of light at the very end yes. of that movie. Yeah, yeah. Not to mention it's it's got Denzel. Yeah, there's that too. Yeah. All right, uh, Misty writes. My husband and I watched Nefarious last night. Wow. Set aside the quality of production and amazing performances, because Flannery should get every single word out there. Award out there, but the content is literally soul saving. The world needs this. The world needs people like you guys that are willing to step up and put this out there. This movie hit on so many culturally accepted topics. Well done, bringing the light, bringing to light the slow, methodical process that evil has to draw souls to it was brilliant. If more people could just really understand what's happening to this world, thank you guys for following Christ's direction. And I feel a movie needs to be made about the making of Nefarious. Unbelievable what you all went through. Thanks again for all that you do. Thank you, Misty. Appreciate it. And I have gotten thousands of emails. And a lot of them are like Misty's. 
I mean, I, we could do weeks of shows just me responding to notes on nefarious and i've tried to respond to some if i can personally uh, the volume has been overwhelming i want you guys again to know I, I appreciate every single one i'm saving them all for my own records and for our production team's records i've sent several of your notes off to our production team uh particularly notes like this that are spiritually encouraging about the impact the movie has had we'll have maybe one or two else here other one or two others here uh in the uh in the feedback friday just just thank you guys very much man i appreciate it and it's that kind of feedback i don't even remember what MRSA felt like when we get that kind of feedback it's like in the rearview mirror man you know it just that's the payoff right there for us. So thank you. All right. Speaking of which, listen to this story from Scott about going to see Nefarious. All right. My wife and I went to see Nefarious on opening weekend. My wife wasn't super excited. She knows how much I love you and your devotion to your principles and faith. And that, so that's why I wanted to go. And that's why she went anyway. When we sat down, the theater was about half full. A few minutes before the trailers began, a biracial couple came and sat down next to my wife. They were a bit loud and obnoxious, but that's okay. After a couple of minutes, the woman asked my wife what the movie was about. (laughs) About that. What's this movie about? She said this was their first date, and they just picked a movie randomly. (laughs) Hello. Hello. Yes, indeed, Carl Lewis. Uh, But they had no idea what the movie was about. She said this was their first... Oh, I've read that part. My wife pointed to me and said, ask my husband. He loves the guy who produced it, but I have no idea either. I responded with, how about you tell me what you think it's about when it's over? Well, they continued to talk and giggle throughout the first five minutes in the movie, but shortly after they were silent. Shortly after that, they were silent and fixated on the screen. No more talking, no more, no more holding hands. They were just stone-faced. When the movie ended, my wife and I remained seated for a few minutes, as did everyone else in the theater. I can't speak for anyone else, but I needed a moment to absorb what I had just witnessed. When we stood up and walked past the couple, I noticed they were quiet and not speaking. I thought maybe the movie was too much for a first date, and perhaps this may be their last date. I asked them what they thought of it. They hesitated, and the man said, I am speechless, but thank you so much. I stopped by the restroom on the way out and noticed that my phone had slipped out of my pocket. I ran back to the cinema to grab it. They were still sitting there. No one was left in the cinema but them. Again, they both said, thank you so much. And and then they said, hey, did you say this was based on a book and who is the author? I thought that was pretty cool. Two strangers on a date pick a random movie that happens to be nefarious. And it clearly had an impact. Thank you, guys. You've opened my eyes over the years and I can't thank you enough. That is from Scott. All right, guys, give me some feedback on that note. Oh, and, 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 and bonus, was there a second date? All right, thoughts. I wish he had gotten their phone number and passed it on to us. It'd be fascinating to call, literally call him up cold and say, what? tell me now that, yeah, I mean, how, how long ago did he say this happened? Now that you've ruminated on this for a while? Because, yeah, this, this is, it, it, it keeps working on you. It won't just... It won't just keep, you know, you won't forget this after you just get up out of the movie theater. It keeps working you. Aaron, what do you think? It's tremendous. Just an amazing uh, testimony. You just don't know. These are things that, like so many other little stories that you've told about the making of Nefarious, the small and big doors that have opened, 
these are the types of things you just can't contrive. You just can't plan on. Mm -hmm. These are completely, completely and totally dependent on, on God opening up these doors. Who knows, who knows how many stories there are like this. If there's one that just happened to be, you know, a listener to the show and, and wrote this note, there's got to be at least, you know, a hundred more or something like that. Of people who didn't really know what they were getting into, but, you know, it forced an answer from them nonetheless. Amen. Jim writes, would love your advice on how to answer this question. I recently said to someone that the reason the spirit of the age wants to groom kids is that they need to pass down their ideology since they won't have kids. Somebody tried to play gotcha with me and asked, well, why is it okay for the kids to learn about heterosexual relationships and not gay ones? Had a few thoughts, but was wondering how you guys would reply to that. Number one, are we drawing a moral equivalency between heterosexual relationships and homosexual relationships? If we are, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Cease and move on. Um, that conversation is over at that point in time. I mean, if you're, if you're drawing a moral, if, if the person you're discussing this with ha- believes this is morally equivalent, before we even get into the smut factor, if the idea that this, that this is more moral equivalency, then you're just probably not going to convince that person further on down the line. Christians believe this stuff all the time. Like the, 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 the constitution is really, it's, it, it's, it, we're, we're boxed in. We, we, it's, it's totally morally neutral. Right. You know, it was never that way from the beginning. Our rights come from God. It's yes. all right there. So stop falling for this argument. A moral equivalency is not the same as, 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 as admitting the reality that we have a large, well, not really large, but an enlarging and, and, and enlarging all the more in the younger generations population of people who identify as homosexual that we're going to have to figure out how to live with given that reality. That's, that's not the same as, as drawing a moral of equivalency. Being willing to, to p- tolerate the reality of the world in which we live. Like early Christians had to. They like couldn't topple Nero. They couldn't do anything about Nero. They couldn't do anything about Domitian. Okay, they couldn't do anything about that. So they had to learn to tolerate it. Had to learn out and learn to live out their faith regardless of those realities. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not the same as drawing a moral equivalency. Because Nero and Domitian said, "Well, then worship me while you're tolerating me. Worship me." And that's where they said, "Well, now you're asking me to draw a moral equivalency between you and Christ, and Jesus is Lord, and you are not." So my answer is no. Okay, so let's make sure we understand that being willing to tolerate the reality of a situation that you are not individually or even collectively empowered to change in its current iteration is not the same as as granting it the status of moral legitimacy, let alone equivalence fair yeah okay not the same so if we're starting if the person asking you this brings this is their point they're starting from a position of moral equivalence challenge that right away maybe they don't understand that and then if they don't then the conversation can move on if they do that conversation is over you got no chance to win that it's over because for every dave rubin that exists there's or andrew sullivan yeah. you're you're outnumbered three thousand to one who won't who won't have the level of intelligence and 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 not and, and nuance to contemplate beyond their own desires and so you're just wasting your time at that point now as to the other question other there is another now, now there is a degree or a smut factor here are we seeing loads of books in libraries that are depicting women giving men blowjobs that we're giving to seventh graders and, and we're okay with it. 
conservative media at the blaze were like, hey, we're not only we're ignoring those books, actually show them to the kids to prep them for for married life. Is that going on? Not to my knowledge. The only, the only, we, we only see this smut happening one way in the schools. And if, and if it's if in your area, if it's going the other way, stop it every bit as much. Regardless. Regardless of the gender or orifices we're talking about, don't That's show not. that crap to sixth graders. It's what DeSantis said earlier this week to Biden. Why are you apologizing for topless trannies on the White House lawn, but then you're saying it's yeah. wrong to take that stuff out of the schools? If it's wrong to be on the White House lawn, then it's wrong to show it to sixth graders, right? Mm-hmm. You can't have it both ways. So, I, I'm, 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 you know, I'm not omniscient. Maybe there are instances of conservatives and Christians on school boards who are like, you know, we're totally fine with the straight porn for the sixth graders. It's the gay porn, just really gross. If that is happening, that's bogus. Stop it. I promise it's not happening. Because Anywhere. It involves another premise that needs to re- be rejected involving what this brought up. We are, you know why we're not teaching? We haven't been teaching this thing called heterosexual sex or heterosexuality or anything because this goes to Romans 1. It's a truth you can't not Correct. know. Everybody just like got on with their lives and realized, yeah, this is, this is just it. This is true, which is why the time we're living in is so damn demonic because it is. we had red light districts that have played around with this. It is now normative now. It is beaten. Never in a time in all of human history do you have a, a time that rivals right now what we are trying to attempt to undo what we were taught in Romans 1 comprehensively. The only reason you show sexually explicit material to children is you're grooming them. Whether you're some creeper predator grooming young girls or whether you are some pederast pedophile grooming pubescent boys. It's the same thing. It's morally abhorrent, and all groomers should be put in, convicted, should be put in prison without possibility of parole, and anybody who sexually assaults a child should be executed. So we don't have to worry about possibility of parole, and we no longer have to worry about you. But to Todd's point, it's interesting that it would be totally fine in our culture to say we really should not be allowing male teachers to expose young girls to that kind of content. We'd be totally fine saying it, even in our current state. Wouldn't be much of a fight about that. But then say that, say an adult male teacher can't expose pubescent boys to it. Suddenly now it has a political agenda behind it, which is why I go back to the first thing I said to you, Jim. If they're drawing a moral equivalency between those relationships, you have no chance to win the argument from there. Because they're going to fall into the very fallacy that I just articulated a second ago. This is that these relationships are some kind of sort of protected class. They're not. They're immoral. You may, you may be forced to tolerate things that are immoral in certain eras, that you are not uniquely or collectively empowered to do anything about given what's go- what, given what is prevalent of the era. You may have to. We live east of Eden here, but that's not the same as affirming it or, equi- or, or, or giving equivalency morally. Not the same. Anything else to this one? No. Okay. Mike Dubois writes, or is it Dubois, Mike? I, I'm sorry, which one it is. I remember during the Kavanaugh confirmations that you said you that uh, you had never had an expectation that you would vote uh, straight ticket Republican again, but you did so in reaction to what they were doing to Kavanaugh because of how vicious and unfair and immoral it was that they had to be defeated. 
Would this also apply to the Trump situation? I've been 50-50 for some time between him and DeSantis. They're both fine by me. However, the people doing this to Trump must be made to fail. They must not succeed because if they win, they'll do it again and again to others. That's a great argument. I have no argument against it. I don't. I will tell you it would be like number two or number three on my priority list right now because number one is a reckoning for what was done the last few years under COVID. And that... We're, we're talking about if they get away with what they did to Trump, that'll end our, that could end our way of life. They came that close to ending it via COVID. And he was a part of, he was party to that to some degree. Now that's, this is the Steve Day show. So my priorities tend to dominate what we discuss. If I tuned into the Mike Du Bois podcast and that was your argument, I wouldn't be offended by it at all. I'd keep listening. I'd be interested. I don't have an, I don't have a problem with this argument. I'm not, I'm not, have you seen me arguing against anybody who has made any kinds of these arguments? And you won't. It's a powerful, potent argument. It's the one I just said in the first hour, the president ought to be making like he made in Aaron's intro when we discussed it on the days group. But for me, where we're at right now and what I lived through for the last few years COVID, did, COVID brought us closer than any event since Pearl Harbor to the end of our entire way of life. And that is why it is my priority. But if this is yours, you'll get no moral argument out of me. I think you made a sound moral case. I think what's fascinating is that you can agree with every ounce of what he said and still go in the opposite direction because of what we've, we've learned no lessons from COVID from Kavanaugh, the red wave didn't happen. We're just like, what's, it won't get me anywhere. But I agree with you, it just won't get me anywhere. A lot of the same people doing this to Trump tried to do this to us in COVID. They went unpunished, so they're just going to keep going. At some point, they must be punished. Whether Trump is your fulcrum or COVID, they must be punished or it will continue. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. Powered by Miracle Brand Sheets. I'm sleeping on these every single night, man. I'm a huge fan. Particularly, we get into this time of year. This may shock none of you. I tend to run a little hot-blooded. All right, Miracle Brand Sheets help you regulate your temperature at night, whether you wake up too hot or too cold. Uh, It's because they're inspired by NASA. They use the same silver-infused fabrics that make temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. This is what they have given to you, the astronauts, in the past. Uh, Also... Uh, it's made with a self-cleaning, eco-friendly uh, bacteria or antibacterial so that the sheets, pillowcases, comforters present about, prevent about 99% of bacteria uh, infections and three times less laundry to boot. Self-cleaning properties, self-cooling properties, luxurious comfort and quality. You absolutely can't beat it. I love these, man. Go to TryMiracle.com slash Dace right now. TryMiracle.com slash Dace. If you order today, you can save over 40%. Save over 40% at TryMiracle.com slash Dace. And our promo, or and at checkout, if you use the promo Dace, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So three free towels, save an extra 20%. On top of the over 40% that you save at TryMiracle.com slash Dace using the promo code Dace. TryMiracle.com slash Dace using the promo code Dace. I want to go back to Mike Bois's note for just a moment if I could because we got to it right at the end of the segment. I want to make sure we give it the, the time I think it deserves. I, I am... 
I, I don't, we don't have to agree on everything all the time. I just want us to be honest with each other. That's all. Families don't agree on everything all the time. They just don't gaslight each other and lie to each other. They don't pee on each other and say that it's raining. And I, I earnestly, and I hope you guys realize this, I, I, I strive to be as consistent as I can. But the key, the key operative phrase there is as I can. I'm a human being. I'm not infallible. And when I read Mike's note, I was like, huh. Mike exposed a potential inconsistency in my own logic that I had not entertained or considered. That's why I wanted to make sure we read it on the show. So I appreciate that, Mike. Thank you very much. And I, I know all the arguments. And I hear these from some DeSantis people and even DeSantis people that I like. Well, he should have just complied with a subpoena. True. No, he just, he makes things harder on himself. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's almost as true as gravity. Okay. But as you pointed out yeah. when we discussed this a few days ago, Todd, the issue isn't his fallacies. I thought Tucker said this well the other day when he talked about it. And again, if we're going to be fair, I try to be objective as I can with my own biases. If, 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 if the way Kim Reynolds introduced Ron DeSantis in Iowa a couple of weeks ago was as close to an endorsement without saying the words as you could get, I thought Tucker's commentary the other day was as close to an endorsement of Trump without saying the words as we were probably going to get. Fair? Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that, I, that he said that I completely agree with, though, towards the end he said, Son, or, or Trump, Trump's sins are minor compared to what these people want to do. And I can wholeheartedly agree with that. 100%. And I'm not sure how you could, and I thought about it, trust me, because I don't really personally dig Trump. Don't even dig a lot of like Trumpian content. I don't like the whole let's sell trading cards and that kind of stuff. I, I find it obnoxious, you know, but there's only two autographs I've, I've ever actively sought in my entire life, Newt Gingrich and Bo Schembechler. So it's just kind of not my personality to begin with. I'm just not like that. So it could just be my own hang up. And yet, I can't think of a way how you would possibly see this differently unless you just don't like him so much that you're blinded or you're so in need of a particular outcome that doesn't involve him that you're blinded. Well, if that's you, then frankly, to me, you're not any better than the, the Trump grift core that annoys the hell out of me all the time. And any problem, the only possible, your wife left you to vote for Trump. You're, you're, you, you, you got a speeding ticket, vote for Trump. I mean, that's the, I can't stand that crap. The fearless leader stuff, man, I can't stand. Lack of critical thinking, I can't stand. In the end, he was going to get indicted for being Donald Trump on a sunny day. And I don't know how you can draw any other conclusion after the last five years we just lived through than that. There was no way he was going to avoid it. They just would have done something else. Okay, fine. He complies with the subpoenas, doesn't storm in his bathroom, all that other crap. Fine. We still have the D.C. grand jury sitting in front of us, correct? Mm-hmm. We still have the 34 counts of uh, felonies for not disclosing payments to Stormy Daniels in New York City, correct? Mm-hmm. We still have a Fulton County jury that says, well, you know, I just wanted to indict him so I get the chance to swear him in. I thought that would be cool. That still exists, right? right. So, th- again, they just would have done this another way. Because he's ultimately guilty of being Donald Trump on a sunny day. That's really what it's about. What it's about. So I don't fault anybody at all who has this view. Here's where I get mad. And 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 
I don't get mad when we don't agree on everything. That's not when I get mad. I get mad when I feel like I'm being gaslit. And maybe that's when you get mad, if you think I'm gaslighting you. And I hope I don't do that. But again, I'm human, so there's probably times that I have. What I don't like... I won't say his name. Young guy, grew up listening to this show. Used to live in Iowa. Been on our show a few times. I like his work overall. So, no need to pick a fight here. Individually. But he put out a tweet the other day with a whole host of reasons why he had to vote Donald Trump. And I don't disagree that you could connect Trump to 80% of the things that he said. But he included in his tweet, if you didn't like what happened with COVID and the jabs and lockdown, no, don't do that. Don't do that. See, this is, this is where I get mad now. Don't lie to me. We haven't told you guys this. The, the person that Aaron is training for emergency duty today is my daughter, Anastasia. That tone of voice and the way I just said that, she heard that a few times growing up. Don't lie to me. Because I would have said it to my kids just like that. Don't. I lived with lies growing up. I hate them. We all struggle to be completely honest. Because... Minus Jesus, the truth is not in us. And so we fear it at times. That's the human condition. But lying when you don't have to is craven and insulting. Don't insult me. Don't do that. Don't make, don't make me, don't try to make me forget what we all just lived through for the last three years. Don't do that. And we'll get along just fine. No matter which of these two guys you want to vote for in this primary. We'll get along just fine if you just don't do that. That's what I don't like. Don't lie to me. Frankly, there have been plenty of big name Trump accounts who have lied since Ron DeSantis got in the race. They didn't have to. Plenty of affirmative reasons to vote for Trump. Mike, you just laid one out. Hey, I'm going to vote for the guy that overturned Roe versus Wade. Does that sound like an argument I'm going to push back on or work against? Yeah. No, it's, it's arguably the greatest achievement on a domestic policy of any president in my entire lifetime. Now that I say it, maybe it even is. That's the thing. You don't have to lie to us. He doesn't have to be perfect. It's okay to say, you know what? 2020, a lot of mistakes. Let's just put it this way. Mistakes were made. (laughs) Mistakes were made. Previous to that, things were pretty good. I think all of us wish Donald Trump had won the last election and was president here for the last couple of years. Life would have been better. Fair? Mm-hmm. Just don't lie to us. We, sh- we will try not to lie to you. Do not lie to us. Don't do that. Don't gaslight us. If you gaslight me, I will take 15 years of childhood frustration for living with gaslighting out on you. That's my spiritual gift. And I prayed about it. And I feel real good about where I'm at right now. Just don't do that. We can disagree on all kinds of things. Just Let's just be honest with each other. Fair? Yep. Okay. Deb Coyote writes, my question to you is this. What is the best way for me to return to Christianity with my whole heart? I was baptized and raised in the Catholic Church, attended Lutheran churches, Assembly of God, and a Quaker church. As Dick Enberg used to say, you touched them all. (laughs) Um, I converted to Judaism for three years when I was married to a Jewish husband, and then I returned to Christianity after that. 
All of our churches in northern Colorado folded during the COVID lockdowns, and I don't trust any local churches or pastors. How do I worship and explore Christianity in this current climate of cowardly churches? I want to embrace it again, but I'm looking for a roadmap of how we are to live during this, uh, during this time in the spirit of the age. And should I get baptized again? Thank you. Well, the latter question, I think, is a very personal one that you need to have. That's between you and the Holy Spirit, if and when you believe that that question is paramount in your conscience. So I'll set that one aside. The first one, what I found fascinating, Deb, is what you're really saying. And, And I want... I want every pastor in my audience to please hear what I'm about to say. And, I, and I'm going to say it, man, out of love. And I'm going to try to say it lovingly, okay? If you're a pastor that is preaching the full counsel of God and on the narrow road, I want you to be encouraged because you may be thinking, man, I'm bringing it. Is it making a difference, man? I'm bringing it. I'm not keeping, I'm not hiding anything. I'm bringing it, but is it making a difference? What I'm about to say, I hope encourages you to stay and finish your race. If you're a pastor in our audience and you're not yet on that road, maybe you think my congregation's not ready for this, or you're afraid of what will happen to your con- congregation or you if you go there. I hope that what I'm about to say encourages you to get on that road. Ultimately, there is no point to Christianity. If it isn't relevant to people, no point. Is it eternally relevant to people? What happens to us after we die? Why were we made? What's the purpose of human life? Why am I the way that I am? Why is the earth the way it is? Why are people, other people, the way that they are? What can be done about it? If if, if we cannot answer those existential questions, it's just not relevant to people and they won't care. Which is why throughout the Bible, those existential questions are answered and confronted. And when the church has been at its best, it has done the same. But you know what also is throughout the Bible? Practical application and confrontation of what is currently in the way of people joining us on the narrow road or keeping them there. Many of Paul's epistles are specific events, movements, people groups that he was confronting in individual parts of the world that they were trying to plant the church that were fear, that were going off into error or being confronted by heresy. He confronts them in return. The Bible is not abstract. The gospel is not a philosophical exercise alone. It is practical. Number one, it is practical in origin. Did a dead man walk out of a tomb or not? Full stop. We start with a very practical question, right? Mm-hmm. And if, if the answer is no, then we don't proceed to any of the other philosophical ones, do we? So right away, it's very practical. Was a man dead and then he walked out of a tomb fully alive, physically? Did that occur? If it did, proceed to the next step. If it did not, cease and desist. Can't get much more practical than that, right? Right. What's more practical than that? Nothing. Nothing's more practical than that. What are the next steps? Well, who does that say he is if he was capable of doing that? Very practical questions we now must answer. Next step. Well, what does that say about me? 
and what he expects of me, given the authority that he demonstrated. Very practical, right? Okay, next step. How do I, how do I fulfill that calling on my life in front of the contemporary influences? And what are those influences, by the way? Why, why did Paul write about Judaizers in Galatia? Because that's where the Judaizers were. Very practical. Because the Judaizers were bedeviling the church in Galatia. That's why he wrote about Judaizers to Galatia and not to the Colossians. Why did he write to the Thessalonians about whether or not they missed the second coming? Because that's where the fear they had missed the second coming was. He was practically confronting it. There are too many of our people walking out of churches every Sunday with no marching orders whatsoever on what to practically do in light of what they are actually confronted with in this culture. And here we have a woman, Deb, saying, can you bring me those answers, please? I want to come home, but I don't want a fallacy. I need to know this is real. That's what she's saying. Is this real? Do you have real answers? No. Maybe it's not real. And I don't need to join another group, but thank you. So if you're one of those pastors and you are keeping it real and you're making it real, stay real. Maybe right now you don't have the crowd you were hoping for. But trust me, you're going to generate the crowd that was called for many are called, but few are chosen. And if you're a pastor and you're not yet on that road for whatever reason, man, I get it. I face your challenges all the time. I've got to, I've got to broadcast my own narrow worldview to a wide audience. And even within this audience, Catholics, Protestants, non-religious, non-Messianic Jews, LDS, even within an audience that largely agrees on the issues of the day, a lot of theological diversity, I understand the difficulty of navigating it. But that's what I'm called to do. And you know what, brother? That's what you're called to do, too, even more directly than I am. That's the job. That's the job. So to quote the great prophet Bill Belichick, do your job. There are many Debs lost with these kinds of questions. Being relevant doesn't mean you have a slam and praise team. Not that I, hey, I like slam and praise teams. I'm kind of a big fan of it myself. But that's not what it means. Is this real? Will it be real in my life? Will it provide real answers for me? And the challenges in my life, is it real? Let people like Deb, let them put their fingers through his nail-scarred hands. Get out of the way. And let it be real. Thank you, Deb, for the note. And I would look. The great thing about the internet is there are great places online you could go where you could find men in pulpits that do make it real. Jack Hibbs, John MacArthur, people, a couple people like that. I'm sure Todd could recommend a Catholic priest that keeps it real or two with a powerful podcast platform. At least you could start there. Hopefully we kept it real for you all week long. Hopefully you get a chance to relax this weekend. We will see you again on Monday. Until then, John 317.